Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, directing the TOSIC Early Cancer Therapeutics Program and co-directing the Cleveland Clinic Sarcoma Program. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Dr. Emery Gorgon, Vice Chair of Colorectal Surgery at Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Gorgon was previously on this podcast to discuss Cleveland Clinic's Endoluminal Surgery Center and lesions in the lower GI tract and to discuss a non-operative organ-sparing approach to treating rectal cancer. Those episodes are still available for you to listen to. He's here today to talk to us about better complete response rates with total neoadjuvant therapy for patients with rectal cancer. So, welcome back. Thank you very much, Dale. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. So, give us a, a, a reminder on your role here at Cleveland Clinic. What do you do? Sure. I'm a colorectal surgeon. Uh, I, I basically treat diseases of the colon and rectum. As uh, many of us know, that this is the, these are the areas of the, the lower GI system, lo- lower gastrointestinal system. Small bowel connects to colon, large intestine in the uh, right side, and then all the way across the uh, abdomen into the rectum and uh, and anus. So uh, all that field is uh, and diseases related to that area is treated by colorectal surgeons surgically. Uh, and I'm one of the colorectal surgeons here at the main campus in Cleveland, Ohio. Excellent. So we're going to talk about surgery. We're going to talk about some other therapies as well. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some data that was presented at the Digestive Disease Week conference earlier this year um, about predicting complete responses to um, TNT or total uh, neoadjuvant therapy in patients with locally advanced rectal cancer. So give us a little bit of an overview. Uh, a lot of people might be listening in not familiar with this. What exactly is total neoadjuvant therapy? Sure, absolutely. I'm happy to share some information into this area. Total neoadjuvant treatment uh, is TNT, is uh, is a new approach in the treatment of rectal cancers. We were doing some neoadjuvant treatments, meaning we were treating patients before the surgery with uh, chemotherapy and radiation, but only for a short period of time, for uh, five and a half weeks. Then we used to operate on these patients, and uh, and then subsequently we gave them chemotherapy after surgery. So in other words, five and a half weeks of chemo radiation, followed by surgery, and followed by chemotherapy. And this whole systematic treatment would take uh, us about uh, four or five months period. But the downside with this was that after surgery, some of the patients were not optimal in the sense of tolerating chemotherapy agents, you know, like sometimes these toxic medications, they were if they would have any complications after surgery. So what we have seen is that as a result of that, the long-term survival rates might be a little bit more lower uh, if, if, you, if you would do that type of approach. So with the TNT, instead of giving the chemotherapy after surgery, now we started to do this maybe five, 10 years ago now in the United States, we started to give chemo radiation followed by more chemotherapy, which we refer as a TNT or total neoadjuvant treatment, followed by a surgical approach if needed. But at the same time, what we have observed is that when we did that dual treatment preoperatively, we have seen 
a lot of patients completely responding to this type of approach. And that's actually incredibly satisfying, meaning a lot of patients did not even have tumors left. And as a result, we decided to then put these patients, complete responders, in other words, to what we call watch and wait. So we would monitor these patients in the long term and make sure that there is no regrowth or that their tumors or the scar site is not changing in any way that is indicating that tumor is coming back. So this uh, type of treatment really allowed us to do uh, a large number of organ preservations. Uh, that way, a lot of patients end up keeping their rectums. Even patients that would otherwise require permanent ostomies, uh, abdominoperineal resections, permanent ostomies, permanent bags, these patients were saved from functional standpoint to maintain their intestinal continuity in the normal route. So that's a huge gain. And so the the, the data that you had presented, uh, give us a little bit about that collection of patients, what you, what you looked at and what you found. Sure. We initially started this uh, efforts with the OPRA trial, which was led by Memorial Sloan Kettering, and we were part of the centers that participated in that study. And in this study, uh, there were two arms. One was uh, chemotherapy first, which we called as induction chemotherapy followed by radiation, chemoradiation, and then possibly surgery. And the other arm was what we do right now, which is chemoradiation followed by chemotherapy, which is called consolidation chemotherapy, followed by surgery again if needed. So this study did show, which is referred as OPRA trial, that in the arm that patients were treated with chemoradiation first, followed by consolidation chemotherapy, had a higher rate of response in terms of complete responses. So that led us to look at our own data, as well as to do our own study here that included 119 patients. And that was the study that we presented at the DW last spring. And in that study, with the combination of uh, treatments, a little bit part of OPRA trial, and newly learning how this TNT works, really, we reached a complete response rate of 37%. So really, a large number of patients uh, responded to chemotherapy and radiation or total neoadjuvant treatment that in close to 40% of patients, we were able to preserve their rectums. So that's a high number in terms of complete responders. And I anticipate that's going to go uh, higher up. And so that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. So out of every 100 patients, 40 people don't need a surgery, maintain a much higher quality of life. Correct. And more so, we recently are looking more up-to-date uh, data and our numbers of TNT patients actually now, not doubled, but like a little over 200 right now. And the complete response rate went up actually over 40. Uh, right now, we are at the rate of 42, 43%. Uh, but as we get to know, uh, you know better and learn about this, how we can better monitor these patients, I anticipate that this number even kind of go higher and higher. And so tell me a little bit about uh, either tumor characteristics, patient characteristics. Um, are, are there decisions being made about who might benefit from the TNT approach, who might benefit from a traditional approach? Are there decisions being made based on particular factors? Absolutely. Currently, uh, TNT is offered across the United States in select centers, of course. Some, some centers still follow the 
old pathways in terms of not giving the chemotherapy upfront. But generally speaking, this is TNT is offered for locally advanced tumors. And what we mean by locally advanced tumors is uh, stage two or stage three. So either T2, T3, uh, T3, T4 with not positive patients, so locally advanced patients. So we don't necessarily uh, recommend this uh, approach for early cancers, meaning T1, T2s with not negative patients. Having said that, I think that's an area of further research. And because for some reasons, like really poor operative risk patients, bad surgical candidates, we have even used this technique in even T2 cancer patients when they are very low located tumors that they would otherwise require absolutely APR or permanent backs. Uh, we have a series of close to 10 patients as such that we were 100% complete response. So maybe earlier stage lesions may even respond better. And then you can really preserve them from having a permanent back and of course having much improved quality of life. Having said that, of course, that would also save them from complications after surgery, especially if they are poor operative risk. And what we mean by that is older patients, maybe with a lot of heart, lung, uh, or liver problems, those patients would not tolerate surgery well. And sometimes we go out of our pathway and treat them, even if they are T2s or really early cancers, uh, with the chance that they might avoid needing the surgery. So I guess when we actually talked about this uh, this t approach a couple of years ago, um, one of the things that you had noted was that, you know, despite good outcomes, the the uptake, you know, the utilization of this uh, this type of therapy was a little bit lower than what you might think. Um, is that improving? It is improving, but not at the speed that we would like to see. Uh, it is uh, nationwide, I think, improved, but we still see a lot of patients that are treated. And I think there's a little bit confusion out there as well. Sometimes patients receive just the chemo radiation and then they are left alone without giving the chemotherapy saying you got complete response by a flexible scope or MRIs, and they don't further give any chemotherapy. That's certainly a misunderstanding of the TNT and uh, under-treatment for our patients. And we sometimes see these patients six months later that they didn't even got the chemotherapy that they needed, and then it's a kind of a puzzle how to treat them. So I would strongly encourage listeners, uh, if there are any uh, family members that with rectal cancer, they need to go to good cancer center where it's known how to treat rectal cancer with the most up-to-date treatment modalities. Speaking of modalities, you mentioned endoscopy, you mentioned MRI. Um, you've talked about how we, you know, after doing treatment, you assess patients and determine who has complete responses and may or may not need surgery. Tell, tell me a little bit about imaging and endoscopy and how you use those modalities to make decisions? Sure, absolutely. Uh, that was actually <clears throat> part of our study that was presented at the DDW as well. So how can we pre predict? Because if we're going to do TNT and monitor these patients, it's important that we recognize regrowth or uh, local recurrence or residual disease early on. And so we, we need to really monitor these patients like a hawk. Uh, very closely. And that includes in our care path, flexible endoscopy, as well as uh, MRI. 
pelvic MRI uh, with rectal cancer protocol. And I'm proud to state that our radiologists are fantastic and they're doing such a good job in terms of protocoling these patients and recognizing any of the early growth in that segments of uh, rectums. Uh, having said that, this is very, really scientific uh, and skilled technique to recognize these patients because there's a lot of fibrosis, uh, scarring in that area after treatment. And just by itself, radiology is not good enough. So we really use two modalities together, endoscopy and MRI imaging. And what we found actually is if you look at them both individually, radiology, MRI versus uh, endoscopy, endoscopy is always more sensitive and uh, positive predictive value is much higher. Uh, but ideal, and that's our care path as well, ideally, you want to use these both modalities together. And that's what we do. And uh, and then we discuss these patients at our multidisciplinary tumor board and make a decision. So if someone's being treated somewhere, they may not have the, the ability to get endoscopy and MRI. Endoscopy would be the, the preferred single way to look, but ideally both. Yes. When we yes. think about um, factors that might predict complete response, what have you found? So in our study, that was interesting finding actually that uh, patients with uh, uh, low, lower tumors, look, tumors that are located lower, closer to the anal verge, they had a, uh, 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 they had a better response. And another factor was, uh, so tumors that were much lower. I, it's hard to explain this finding, but I think it's a good, uh, interesting finding that maybe patients that would require uh, otherwise permanent bags, ostomies might be even better uh, candidates for that because they uh, they are so low into the sphincter muscles that surgically it's impossible to sh uh, shave the tumor from away from the uh, control muscles. Uh, that was one finding. And then lack of extramural venous invasion or EMVI. That's a finding that tumor cells uh, being visible within venous system when they look at the radiology uh, MRI findings. So this is a very specific finding. Uh, it's called EM EMVI positivity. So these patients uh, did not respond well. So these are, I think that it indicates more aggressive tumors. Uh, so maybe a little bit less aggressive lack of EMVI uh, absence of EMVI findings were associated with better complete responders in our uh, study. So that was also another interesting finding that helps us to look at which patients are at higher risk for respond as, as in terms of responding, as well as it helps us to counsel our patients and have a discussion, meaningful discussion with them. And I guess just to clarify, just to make sure that everyone sort of understands that that risk um, consideration. Uh, when you're talking to a patient, you talk to them about this uh, this total neoadjuvant therapy. It's really more about their likelihood for a complete response, not whether it makes sense to do a traditional approach. You'd still recommend the total neoadjuvant therapy. It's just the about expectations for a response. Correct. 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 Uh, we typically, it's pretty much our routine approach at this time uh, for for the TNT for stage two and stage three cancers. Uh, uh, unless the tumor is really very high or in the distal sigmoid colon, obviously surgery is the first modality. But 
if they're going to benefit from chemo radiation, we like to give chemo radiation followed by consolidation chemotherapy. Now, there is some uh, debate around that now uh, emerging recently, whether we should be more selective uh, in in cho choosing these patients or you know, chemo radiation followed by just surgery still might be an option in low-risk patients. But uh, I think that's more to come on that. I, I think, you know, yes, TNT comes with a lot of cost uh, uh, and healthcare economic uh, economics perspective, some losses maybe, if you look, think about that, because there's going to be MRIs and endoscopies moving forward for five, 10 years. You need to really watch them carefully. But at the trade-off, you're talking about removing someone's rectum, and maybe it might be a little bit less expensive in the short term, uh, but I, I think it's priceless to maintain somebody's organ. So, and then there are some studies looking into that from healthcare economics perspective as well, like how many uh, years of life someone would trade off to keep their organ and so forth. And these findings are mind-blowing. So I think the dollar amounts are uh, really hard to match uh, if you're not going to give TNT. Uh, so I, I think that's that's something that's an ongoing research, but I just didn't want to confuse any further here the the uh, you know the TNT subject. But certainly there's some uh, um, alternative thought pot, thought pot pathway in from that perspective. So patients go through their upfront uh, chemo radiation chemotherapy. They may or may not in surgery, but what does surveillance look like? So surveillance look like <clears throat> very standardized and very drafted out in our uh, center so that every three months we do chemo, uh, flexible sigmoidoscopy every three months and uh, tumor markers, CEA. And then every six months for the first two years and every six months we do MRIs. So that's, of course, that's what we're talking about, about the healthcare costs. So there's a lot of studies following to that. Uh, non-operative management. After two years, we relaxed on that a little bit more, and then we go every six months uh, flexible scope and monitoring, so it's not that often, uh, and MRI as well, a little bit less frequent. Uh, but we monitor, we like to monitor these, uh, our patients up, up to 10 years even, uh, be, until we get more data and can prove that, hey, you don't have to follow these patients after five years or seven years. But for the time being, we still monitor them very closely. In terms of uh, management of this disease, I, um, you know, occasionally there's something that hits the news and everyone comes in for the next couple of weeks talking about it. Uh, there's a study a year or so ago, immune checkpoint inhibitors, highly selected uh, group of patients with, with uh, rectal cancers that happen to have, you know, mismatch repair issues and where everyone had a complete response um does where where do you incorporate uh, back to patient selection where do you guys incorporate things like genomic testing and things to look for those rare patients that might benefit from like an immunotherapy yeah that's an excellent point uh <clears throat> this group of patients are not large but certainly there's a group of patients that have a mismatch repair gene uh, present or absent. And, the, and these group of patients certainly 
uh, immunotherapy uh, or targeted treatment mo treatment modalities are highly effective to the point that, as you said, uh, close to 100% response rates. And uh, when we identify patients like that, we have an ongoing trials right now uh, that we assign these patients on, on, on these studies that we, we instead of the chemotherapy arm, uh, after chemo radiation, we do give them um, the, 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 the targeted treatments. That's excellent. So lots of reason for optimism for patients with uh, locally advanced rectal cancers for new therapies that are highly effective and appreciate your insight today. Thank you very much for having me. No doubt that's the case. And I really strongly encourage our patients to research, 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 and just get another opinion if they have any doubt in the suggestions or recommendations that they are getting. Again, thank you, Dale, for having me today and uh, always pleasure to talking to you. To make a direct online referral to our TASA Cancer Institute, complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancer patient referrals. You will receive a confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. For more podcast episodes, visit our website, clevelandclinic.org slash cancer advances podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.